welcome to Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. This podcast is for people who want to learn how to thrive with a disability. It is also designed to share insights for those who have friends or family with a disability. Brad Gabrielson, our host, was born with cerebral palsy and uses a wheelchair for mobility. He is a North Dakota native and believes life is about managing challenges with understanding, mental toughness, and determination. Welcome to another episode of Living with the Disability No Big Deal podcast. Uh, uh, last time we talked about the modular system, you know, how the different ramps for like different trailers, um, campers, RVs, and boats and all that kind of stuff and, you know, what ramp would work in different situations. Today we're going to have a, kind of like a part two because we've been getting a lot of inquiries and questions about how great Greg uh, put an arrow on his leg when he was crawling around the, on the ground in the, in the wilderness and uh, people were People um, let us know about how, you know, they want to know more information on how actually he got injured without knowing about that he was injured. And so uh, I asked him to come back on and uh, we we come up for another episode to kind of fill fill the blanks in because we've been getting a lot of questions about that. Hi, Greg. Hi, Brad. Morning, folks. Greg Maul with Roller Ramp here today with Brad. Happy to be on. How's it going today, Bradley? Pretty good. How are you? Well, not too bad. It's not snowing yet here, so it's just a little gloomy and a little cool, but nice day. Yeah, we're getting in the fall. Well, here we are. You you kind of explained to the folks that we had had an episode some time back about how I got an arrow in my leg and I kind of explained that but we've gotten a lot of questions it sounds like about how did he not know and what happened and how'd you fix it and is he okay and all that good stuff so I mean first of all I can say that I am okay at least from the uh, from the accident from the injury there just a little background on it is I was injured in a fall from a tree in 2002, creating a homemade deer stand up in the woods in a tree, and I had stepped on a branch and and fell. And from that fall, I became a, a paraplegic, really. I mean, I do now have limited use of my legs from my waist down, but I primarily, and I'm in a wheelchair. And that accident happened six years later, so 2006. And just kind of an interesting story, uh, another exciting part of my my book of challenges that I like to call it. And so that was actually 2006, Brad. When you when you fell on the when you fell when you were making the tree stand, approximately how high were you? How far did you fall? I wasn't very far. I was only about 10 to 12 feet up. And when I was up there, I was working and I apparently stepped on a branch, a twig. I don't remember the fall at all. I still don't remember the fall or even hitting the ground. I just remember 
opening my eyes and I knew something was gravely wrong. So it just goes to show you, you don't have to fall really that far in order to, to get a serious injury and have life put you in a situation like this really quickly. So just reminds you how fast things can happen. Why you were, may I ask you a question? Why were you um, calling around the woods? Uh, what, why weren't you uh, in your chair or uh, in your crutches at the time? When you impaled yourself with an arrow. Oh, well, thanks for putting it so eloquent, eloquently when I impaled myself with the arrow. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, anyway, we can laugh about it now. I certainly wasn't laughing then. But anyway, it's, a, it's an interesting story, I think. I had used to, I used to hunt up in a tree, see, and when I was able-bodied. And so what happened is once I fell and I was no longer to do that, I either got around in a wheelchair or I got around with my crutches. And when I went hunting, what I would do is I'd go out and I would walk to my spot with crutches and then I would sit on the ground and hunt. And so that's what the situation was on this day is that I actually was able to get in position for the hunt. And then I noticed that as the uh, evening wore on, it started to get dark and I noticed a thunderstorm coming. So I wanted to get out of the woods. And so the reason I was on the ground is, is to basically be able to hunt. And so when the time came to leave, what I did was I slid off onto the ground from my regular, I had a, just a regular kind of a fold up chair on the ground. And what I did is I crawled about, I suppose, 25 feet to the nearest tree. And what I usually do is I put one leg out straight and then I push myself up on the tree so that my leg stays straight and then I can lever myself up if that makes sense. So then I'll take and I'll have, for example, I'll have a crutch in my right hand and I'll put that out at an angle with my right foot and then I'll take the tree or something else and I will push myself up because my right side has a little bit more function than my left side, which uh, happens to relate to the spinal cord injury. I had a T12, so it's about in the center of the back. It was a burst fracture. And so it was a compression fracture, which means that the blood supply was cut off to my spinal cord, uh, to that area of the spinal cord. And so it damaged nerves and it permanently damaged the spinal cord in that area so that I had no functions uh, that normally would be there. So um, that's kind of how, how that fell or how, how that worked. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the spinal cord doesn't regenerate, doesn't regenerate itself like some things in the body does, correct? No, that, that's correct. I mean, when you have a spinal cord injury, what happens is there's two kinds of spinal cord injuries. The first kind of spinal cord injury is if you sever your spinal cord. Okay, that's if you were to completely 
sever the spinal cord, which basically is like a rubber band that runs in some fluid that's encased by your vertebrae. And so if it gets dislodged, the vertebrae, or let's say you fall in a diving accident, and if you, let's say, get an injury up in your neck, up in the C3, C4, C5, 6 area, and you sever that, that makes you a quadriplegic. And so most quadriplegics either have no movement below their neck line or they have limited mobility, which means that they simply can use and operate a, uh, a mobility device such as a power chair and limited motions and abilities with their hands. And so the lower down on your spine the injury is, the more functions that you retain. The spinal cord goes down the center of your back, but at each vertebrae, at each intersection, each junction of the vertebrae, the spinal cord has nerves that go out, peripheral nerves that go to your internal organs, to your brain, not to your brain, but to your arms, to your legs, fingers. They help with your bowels and your bladder and different functions like that. So the lower the injury is, the more functions that you retain. So for example, mine being a T12 or the thoracic number 12 vertebrae, I was able to retain some more function than others. Now the reason that I am not a complete paraplegic is, is because the spinal cord was not torn, it was simply crushed. And so it was more of a vascular injury. And what I mean by that is the blood supply was cut off to that area. And just like strangling it on the vine, you know, just pinching off the, the blood supply. And due to the length of time that I was there, I was there for a couple hours, you know, or so in the woods waiting for rescue. Uh, because I couldn't move at all. I was just laying under the tree with my two young sons and with uh, the search, the different search parties out looking for me. I was about a mile off the road. But anyway, people that do have, if people that are in a car accident, for example, and maybe they, they tear or have, they have a complete cut of the spinal cord. In those cases, they have no feeling from the belly button down, for example, they cannot move their legs at all, nor do they have any real feeling. So in your case, if you, do you think if you would have got to the hospital or they would have found you sooner, that your injury would probably be less because of less time of having you in the field waiting for help? If you got to the hospital quicker, do you think the injury would be less severe? Well, that's a good question. And this was, again, 2002. And so they've come a long way with technology and being able to well, treat cool. spinal cord injuries. And so now what they do is they're able to inject some type of a steroid, I believe it is, into that area and reduce the swelling quickly. And that will 
help you retain more use of that spinal cord function. Now, in my case, they flew me from a helicopter from the from the area out uh, in the woods to the clinic, the hospital here in Fargo. And from there, they determined that it was above their abilities. And so they wanted to transfer me down to Minneapolis. So I don't know if they would have been able to treat that part of it there, but they have come a long way and be able to treat that quickly and save some of the functions. Yeah. Okay, did they send you to the Mayo Clinic then? No, I went down to the Hennepin County Medical Center, and that's a hospital that's pretty well known for uh, brain injuries, head injuries, um, traumatic injuries, uh, spinal cord injuries, uh, very high-end hospitals, so they, they have a very good reputation for being able to, to be specialized in that sort of work down there. Oh, I see. Okay, so when the arrow went into your leg, so it's because of the where the injury happened in your spinal cord, where um, some of the areas on your body you cannot feel as far as the pain and all that stuff. Like you know, like like when you poke yourself, you can feel the you know the sudden you go ouch or whatever. You couldn't feel any of that. Correct. Well, actually, you, in my case, it's the more you and the more you crawl, the deeper it got. Yeah, in effect, in in effect, that's what happened. Uh, in my case, it's a little unique because I can actually pull my hair hair right now on my on my legs, and I can feel, I can feel that. And if you pick, if you poke me with a pin, I could feel that as well. In fact, if you took a feather and rubbed it on my foot, I can feel that. But what is really interesting is that if you stabbed me with an arrow, evidently I can't feel it internally in the muscles and in the nerves because the nerve damage that has been done still allows me to, I guess, have surface feeling but then internally, there is no feeling. So the damage I have on the left side of, the, of my body, of the, of the lower body, is what the doctors called upper neuron damage. Now, upper neurons are the high, highest functioning nerve cells that you have in your body. And now I had talked about the peripheral nerves that branch out like a tree from each of the vertebrae, those are called peripheral nerves. So when you have peripheral nerve damage, you will lose some function but retain much of it. And so on the right side, the damage was mostly on the left side of the spinal cord. So on the right side of my body, I have more peripheral nerve damage to those branch nerves. And on the left side of my body or spinal cord, it was right in the spinal cord itself and that's where the upper neurons exist in the central nervous system so when the spinal cord got pinched then the damage was done to the spinal cord itself in addition to the peripheral nerves so that's a higher level of injury and therefore i have less function on the left side if that makes sense 
And that's the reason why I couldn't feel it. For example, when I slid off my wheelchair, I tried to think about the reason later on is that how would, how is it possible that I could look down while I was walking in the woods and notice that I could see the back end of the arrow, but from the middle of the arrow forward, it was gone going into my clothing. And of course, deep into my inner thigh, into the inside of the thigh, right up above the kneecap. And so I think what happened is I had a couple spare arrows that I had leaned against a bush. And so when I slid off my chair to go and crawl out to a tree and stand up, what happened, I think, is one of the arrows had fallen into the grass. Oh, okay. So what I did is I put my chair over my, over my, over my head and I put my bow over my head, and then I started to crawl on my hands and knees. And so I believe what happened is the arrow with the broadhead was facing toward me. So in other words, a broadhead, if those of you who don't know what hunting is, a broadhead is the, the tip on the arrow. Now, it's unlike what you normally think of when you think of a tip on an arrow, which is just simply a pointed arrowhead or, you know, a, t a, a tip, a pointed tip. On the broadheads, they actually use razors. And so this broadhead had three razors, you know, shaped like a... Like a razor blade. Yeah, like a razor blade, and there were three of them. And in the very tip of the arrow itself was another razor. The tip was also a razor. And so when I crawled and I moved my left knee ahead, evidently there was enough force to move that arrow through my hunting clothing, through my jeans, and then deep into my flesh. And so... I probably call, crawled about six, eight times, uh, six, eight crawl steps, if you will, to the tree. And I anticipate that what happened was each time that I moved my knee forward in the grass, the arrow would impale itself another couple of inches. And then as I crawled again, it would impale another couple of inches till at last I had over 12 inches of arrow going from my lower inner thigh up toward my groin area. And so when I got to the tree, I levered myself up like I explained by using my crutch and the tree. And then I started to walk out of the woods. And at this time it was dark and it was raining cats and dogs. It was a terrible, it was a terrible thunder and lightning storm. And so I walked out to where my truck was, which actually was in a cornfield. And I threw the chair off of my head into the back of the truck and I felt a twinge kind of in your, kind of in my groin. If you feel kind of in your groin area, you can feel there's an area 
that feels like a pressure point if you push on it. And that's where I felt it. So I looked down and to my shock, that's when I noticed that all I saw was the back end of the arrow. And I was almost in disbelief that I could have an arrow sticking out of me for crying out loud. I mean, how many people can, can jam themselves with an arrow and not feel it? You know what I mean? Yeah. That would have been, to me, I would have been, uh, even though I have CP, uh, you know, I would have been very, very close to being number one in shop because it's in so far. Number two, oh no, it's bleeding, you know what I mean? So it's, it's amazing how, you know, a tip of an arrow just by your movement goes so far so quickly. And you're lucky to be around, correct? Well, I'm very lucky because um, I did have some bleeding that was coming down the arrow. And what I did is I hobbled to the cab of my truck and I hoisted myself in on the seat and left my left leg hanging outside the door and the arrow was bleeding down into the, you know, onto the ground. And I didn't know what to think. I had no idea. I, I knew that I wasn't in pain. So thank God for that, because that would have been excruciating. But yes. then again, I probably wouldn't have continued to impale myself when I had first felt it. It might've only went in a, a small distance and I would have been able to have a, maybe a lot more minor surgery and recovery. And so able to pull it out, pull it out. If you would have felt it the first time, it probably wouldn't have went in so far as they could have just pulled it out. And Well, maybe, but maybe. Uh, like I said, that <laughs> once, if the broadhead would have fully gone in, just the head, the broadhead itself, which is about an inch in length, there's no way you can pull that out. So I still would have had it taken out. But right. what happened was, the arrow, because of the way it went in, it actually kind of plugged a lot of the bleeding. So there wasn't any massive blood loss. There was, there was blood, but because of the way it plugged, it actually was a, a godsend and fortunate that it, that it was like that. So anyway, uh, long story short, I did uh, call and get some emergency help on the way and some locals that are first responders came and they were able to uh, get me into a vehicle and get me out of the woods and onto a onto a road and so over that period of time i suppose it was probably two hours you know total time and i was just afraid that i might just go into shock and i might not be able to help people find me because I was alone out there. I was hunting alone that day. You're supposed to, uh, Mr. Moore, isn't in the rule, you're supposed to have a, have a buddy, uh, hunting buddy to go with you in case something like that happens? Well, yeah, that, you know, bow hunters are, are almost always solitary hunters, meaning that they go out by themselves. And I like to do things when I like to do things, okay? I do a lot of extreme things. That's just the way I am. If I want to go fishing, I go fishing by myself and take the boat out. If I want to go four-wheeling, I'll go four-wheeling. And if I want to go hunting, I want to go hunting. And 
oftentimes there's just not any friends that can do that or do or do the sport. So, so I figured if I want to continue the sport, which some people told me I probably should have quit once I fell from the tree and asked me, for sure you must think about quitting now. And I said, no, I'm not thinking of quitting. Uh, when you like to do something, I encourage people to, to do it. If they have a passion or something they love to do and they're disabled, you know, don't let that stop you because you can do whatever you want. You, you don't have to be limited by the, by the disability. So that is, that is a hundred percent true. And, uh, if you let you, it's almost like if you let your disability win, you're worse off. So, yeah, I, I think you're right, Brad. I think because when people say, "Oh, you can't do that," I mean, I was criticized when I took a little trip in my wheelchair and went to Fargo to, you know, and the Minot. Well, it's something I wanted to do. I know it was a little crazy. A lot of people said you're really nuts because it's something you might get overheated you might you know and all this stuff they were trying to scare me but i was determined to do it and now I'm, and i've done it and i would love to do it again uh, but there's a lot of things i'd like to do uh, but, well good for you brad i mean that's something yeah, that you've done i mean that's that's a hundred mile trip you know on your in your wheelchair so that must have been quite an opportunity for you too and like i say i tell my kids and my grandkids I say if they say you know grandpa I can't do this or I can't do that and I tell them there is no can't there is no can't can't doesn't exist because you actually can do anything you want sometimes you just have to think about it a little harder sometimes you got to think about a plan or how you're going to do it or yeah, even or even take advice on how to do it sometimes but at the end of the day you still have to do it, and you can do it. Yeah, it's like it's like if you fall off a horse, you get back on the horse and uh, keep going. You same get back with, on the horse, yeah. Same way with being in the wheelchair. If you fall out of the wheelchair, if you have a situation where you're you're kind of frustrated, you got to keep going, and you'll you'll master it. Um, so yeah don't give up. Just keep doing what you want to do, and just don't let yourself get down and be held down or restrained by your disability. It doesn't matter what your disability is, whether it's a physical disability, a disability, you know, from birth, be it birth defect or a disease or traumatic brain injury, you know, PTSD, autism, you know, anything like that. You can still have goals and dreams and still be able to do activities. Yeah, you can still have the best quality of life that you can. Well, you know, diversity is the spice of life, so you got to mm -hmm. keep things interesting. And certainly during my life, uh, I have kept things very interesting, uh, probably because I choose to continue to do things that normally disabled people don't do. But uh, that's just what I choose. Oh yes, and I one of my things before in my bucket list that I want to do I would like to be I'd like to go on the hot air balloon ride I would love to do that oh that'd be fun I'd join you on that yeah or I'd like to uh, do some skydiving yeah I thought about that too and 
you'd go with somebody, right? I mean, not just on your own. No, I, the the first time I go with somebody, yes. The first go, few times I go with somebody, yes, to see if I would like it. Well, and for safety too, Brad, because they're yeah. actually they're actually like right, literally right with you, and they they pull the. I think they pull the chute and everything, so it's more yeah, for safety. Yeah. yeah, there's only one thing that would be a little bit worrisome for me, right? Because I can't bend my legs when you hit the ground. You kind of have to bend your legs to soften the blow. Oh yeah, you kind of have to. So I, I can't do that. So I don't know how that would work. So yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, because I'm, I'm not, I don't bend very well on the knees, and I also would like to. Do that para what's that little thing that it's like you're paragliding but you have a little uh, three wheel jobber that you're in there and flying but you're actually got this big parachute over your head. Is like you want you want a paraglide? Well yeah, it's, it's, it's got a three it's got a three uh wheel you're sitting behind this guy flying, he's flying, and, and I would love to be up about three, 4,000 feet and coming from Jamestown to Fargo or, or going to Carrington or someplace. I'd love to do that. So you would just sit? You sit in this machine then? Yes. Yeah. And you land it? Or, yeah, it would be cool, man. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But back to the... Back to the arrow thing, I did have a couple other things to add. When I got to the hospital, the doctor took one look at it, and he said, oh, my gosh, does it hurt? And I said, no, I'm fine, Doc. I talked to the ambulance guys all the way all the way here. They couldn't believe it either. But I said, uh, how does it look? And he said, it's not good. He said, you need to go into surgery stat. I mean, you got to go right now because the risk of infection from that arrow going deep into the leg like that was uh, quite great and I didn't want to lose my leg so we went into surgery and we came out of surgery and the doctor said the surgeon said Mr. Mall you are one very lucky guy and I said why is that and he said because where that arrow stopped when you had stopped crawling the tip of that razor on the tip of that arrowhead was less than one quarter of an inch from my femoral artery. And the femoral artery is a major artery that feeds from your torso down and feeds your lower extremities. And that's a major hose for blood. So um, he said, if you would have punctured that, he said, you would have been gone in 30 seconds. So I know there's a popular show, Gone in 60 Seconds, with Nicolas Cage, but this would have been gone in 30 seconds. But basically, yeah. it says you just would have passed out, and uh, that would have been it. So it mounts to one more crawl with the knee, basically. One more. And that would have been lights out for Mr. Greg. But, and we wouldn't have been able to do these podcasts because I wouldn't have been here. Mm. So anyway, I'm glad to be here and able to do this these with you. And I just wanted to kind of clear up and add to the story about why I couldn't feel it and what they did. And so he opened up the whole, you know, part of my leg there and just lifted it out. And I still have that arrow today. And uh, I plan on using that arrow to actually shoot a deer with. So next time I'll shoot the deer and not myself. See? <laughs> Let's hope so. That's my plan there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I would, I think that hopefully that answers a lot of questions for the uh, listeners that we got response from. It's kind of unique. One of the res, uh, response was from Ireland, so it was kind of cool. Um, yeah, indeed, indeed, that is interesting, Brad. So it's you know we're being listened to from all over the country, so all over the world. Yep. And just keep plugging along, right, Brad? And I'll try to stay. Uh, I'll try to stay out of trouble so I can remain part of the team here. I'm not going to slow down my activities, but good Lord willing, I'll be around to, to continue to do it. And one more thing, Brad, I wanted to mention to the folks listening at home is to please subscribe to the podcast. And then also, I think there might be a little bell there that you can hit so that you get alerts when we have new material so that you'll get alerted when there's a new podcast and then you won't miss out on any of the action. Right, Brad? That's absolutely right. If you, if you ring the, in the bell, if you click on the bell, it brings it to your attention. So right now we're doing approximately one show a week almost, it seems like. so. It seems like, I, yeah, I know. I think we've got, this is be our, I think our 18th episode now, Brad, together. Yep, yep, man. So we're we're doing okay with that. We got some we got some good subjects and some good people coming up. So it'll be very interesting and a lot of fun. I hope. Yeah, and why don't you, Brad? Uh, please, you know, people can comment, they can call, they can email the show. Why don't you give your phone number again, Brad, and your email address? My phone number is seven zero one. Two five two eight five six zero, and that's in Jamestown, North Dakota. I email Jess. Where you, if you want to email me with a comment or a show, a show subject or a possibility, you have an idea, please let us know. Um, yes, yeah, BG Marlboro at gmail.com. Hopefully, we. We'll be able to hear from the folks, and it's very important that we do so, so we know we keep ourselves on the right track. All right, so Brad, just to reiterate, the phone number is 701-252-8560? Correct. Okay, and the email address is B as in boy, G as in girl, Marlboro, M-A-R-L, B O R O at gmail.com. So B G Marlboro at gmail.com. And yeah, we're, we'd love to hear comments from people, questions, comments, suggestions for topics or anything of that nature. Right, Brad? Absolutely. And that's what makes it on the show go. If we have a lot of, uh, a lot of subjects, to, uh, you know, and different things that may have happened to a person. Please don't hesitate to let us know. Yeah, we like to do podcasts on subjects from anything from different types of disabilities, seen or unseen, uh, new mobility equipment. We did one on different types of wheelchairs, outdoor and off-road wheelchairs, things like that. Different ramps. Uh, different ramp systems, ADA, subjects about ADA, really things from A to Z, we try to keep it interesting, yeah. don't we? And by the way, too, we often did a show with a young lady out of Canada, for goodness sakes, you know. 
Yeah, that was a real interesting one with Miss Tanel Bolt from uh, the Rad Society, Recreational Adapted Society. Yeah, if you folks, man. if you folks haven't heard that one, we encourage you to listen to the Rad Society podcast because that one was very, very interesting. And just to recap, Tanel was in a she jumped off a bridge of uh, I think it was like ten stories high or some, and she was uh, she had a severed spinal cord in her T. 5 T6 and a number of other injuries. So she's in a wheelchair, but that hasn't stopped her. She's uh competes in bodybuilding contests. She's she had done some para skiing, she para golfs, she surfs. And so nothing really seems to slow her down either. Nope, there's nothing in her vocabulary that she can't. Very inspirational indeed. So that's correct and hopefully we do uh, I hope, but you know, you know, if we, if we could all, you know, I, I can't wait to actually get to meet her. I've talked to her several times. She makes you and I look like we're we're a bunch of lazy lazy people. But uh, oh, no kidding! She's thirty. She's almost thirty years younger than me. So yeah, we'll try to get her back on the show too. So. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully in October or something like that, so. Anyway, thanks for listening, uh, Brad. Thanks for having me on the show today in order to kind of clear that up. I know a lot of people had a lot of questions about it, and I hope the, uh, that clears things up. You think we kind of cleared that up and put a little background to it? I think we have. I think I think, uh, I think we have, and keep the questions coming in because, then we know what you guys really want us to talk about. So, indeed, no topic is off the table, really, for us. That's right. That's right. And so, gives us gives us some ideas on, on future shows and what you don't like and what you do like. We'll, we'll try any subject once or twice, I'm sure. <laughs> so, well, awesome, Brad. Why don't you sign off the show today, and we'll uh, reconvene next time, huh? Yeah, well, yep. And thanks a lot, Greg, for being the guest. And uh, last time you questioned me, this time I questioned you. <laughs> yeah, yep, indeed. So, um, uh, um, thanks a lot, guys, for listening to another podcast of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. And we'll see you again next time. Thanks, Greg. All right, All right. thanks, Brad. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Living with a Disability, No Big Deal. Sponsored by Rolleramp, this podcast features Brad Gabrielson, who encourages everyone with a disability to live life to the fullest. Rolleramp is a global company based in North Dakota, dedicated to helping people find solutions to accessibility needs. Special thanks to Dopey T for his original music. We hope you'll join us again next time on Living with a Disability, No Big Deal.